everyone. This is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project. And you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our series entitled Biblical Answers to Modern Issues. And I'm here with Pastor Chad. Chad, how you doing? Doing well. Doing well. It's been a a good day of ministry. Yeah. I'm excited to serve God in this way. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's been busy here at the Nehemiah Project. We had uh, Northwestern Mutual of the North Shore in here earlier for a little bit of education and mm-hmm. leadership and encouragement in the scriptures in that area. And uh, we've had nothing but meetings since. And now we're here in the podcast booth. <laughs> and we are going to be discussing chapter four of First Corinthians today. Chapter four of First Corinthians is the final section of the initial unit in this epistle, which has just been discussing the problems in the mm-hmm. Corinthian church, specifically the factionalism, uh, the Tribal. people, the tribalism, you could say, I, that would be a more in the vernacular of today. Um, you had the people in the Corinthian church who were saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, oh, I follow Peter. Some said, I follow Christ, Right. And they were they were attributing status to their little tribes. Yeah, uh, they were really elevating the pastor of choice to a position that really a pastor is not meant to be elevated to. Yeah, uh, and when I say position, I just mean uh, a, a status, a valuation mm-hmm. um, to the pastor that, as we're going to find out, really is not proper. Mm-hmm. Pastors shouldn't be elevated to these rock star statuses. Um, as Paul's going to say, really, they're just servants and stewards of the mysteries of God. Mm-hmm. And those words, servant and steward, as we're going to find out, were very meaningful and very graphic. Um, and Paul was reminding his children in the faith um, that they, they weren't to elevate these pastors to the status that they were elevating them to. Um, and unfortunately, Paul has to get a little serious and somber with his tone mm-hmm. here. And uh, he has to be really their spiritual father. And, you know, because he loves this congregation with all of his heart mm-hmm. as their spiritual father, meaning as the guy who led the majority of them to Christ and as an apostle who has been given this authority um, over this congregation uh, to, to raise them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, um, really, mm-hmm. uh, he's got to handle some stuff. He's got to get real with them, right? He's got to have a family meeting. He's got to have a family meeting. <laughs> Daddy's got to <laughs> lay it down, <laughs> so to speak. That's right. But in all seriousness, that's actually the the words that he uses. In verse 14, he says, uh, I have to admonish you as my beloved children. Mm-hmm. So we're going to read the, the entire chapter here. It's 21 verses, and then we'll circle back and, and dive into it. So here we go. It says this, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then... Each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers and sisters, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor against one another. 
For who sees anything different in you? For what do you have that you have not received? And if then you have received it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? Already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. Would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. For we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We're poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I encourage you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with a gentle love and spirit of gentleness? So in this section right here, it's, it's such a good section because I think it really speaks to the heart of man in a very profound way. It is common among men, and I, I use that mankind, mm-hmm. men and women, to look for something to attach themselves to in order to find uh, power. Uh, to find strength in our pride. Mm -hmm. In this day and time, it was very common that they would attach themselves to philosophers and certain philosophies and and attribute themselves to a certain camp in order to find an identity uh, and and be on a winning team, if you will. And that same thing is true today, that we attach ourselves to companies or to politics or to sports teams or to church leaders still happens today or movements because we want to be, we want to find our worth and our identity within some sort of movement. Yeah. And all of that is a result of pride within ourselves to find our own identity and our own worth within ourselves by attaching ourselves to things that we find to be successful. And that's what Paul is rebuking here. Mm. The people are trying to do that with Apollos and with Paul and and with different leaders. And so Paul starts out with really helping the people see what a pastor truly is. Nothing but a steward, a servant. Someone who just, as MacArthur has put it, a waiter that's just going in and getting the food from God and delivering it. There's nothing special about the leader. Everything that is special about the pastor is God. He is just the steward, the servant who serves the people, the word of God and and shepherds and guides. There's there's nothing important about the shepherd, right? Yeah, listen Uh, to this word that he uses for servant. It's hoop a retes, an under rower, a mm -hmm. galley slave, Mm 
mm-hmm. a subordinate. And stewards, as, as he's used this word already, is just right. like you said, a house distributor, a manager, someone that uh, is like literally an employee, right, mm-hmm. that works for. And to, uh, to follow the, the servant rather than the master would be deplorable. Yes, it would. You know what I'm saying? Deplorable. So you see that here is what Paul's trying to say is it is it is such foolishness that you guys are even thinking like that. Mm-hmm. To want to follow one of us instead of the one in which we are preaching, Christ, is utter foolishness. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to repent, rebuke and have them repent towards understanding that they should follow the words of Christ mm-hmm. that Apollos and himself are trying to preach and trying to share right they um they are (laughs) i love how you just put that chad you said to follow the steward rather than the master or to Mm -hmm. follow the servant rather than the master is deplorable Mm -hmm. and that is exactly what they're doing and paul uses the graphic language of galley slave as an under roller you know we are the the bottom of the barrel literally he goes on to say that um, in verse 13, we have become and still are like the scum of the world, yeah. the refuse of all things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the literally the scrapings off the bottom. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that that's an attractive message to the Corinthian church mm-hmm. at that time that valued nobility, yeah. that valued pithy words and rhetoric and great right. philosophy, that valued strength. Right and might, right, and it's certainly not a valuable mm-hmm. um, or attractive image to the American church now. Right. right, right. We think of we think of leaders in this country as being the CEOs, the top dogs, yeah. the ones who have the most. Right, who who we should depend upon. Right, yeah. or we have the celebrity pastor um, image of nice suits and right. or cool gear and the whole preachers with sneakers movement and all that kind of stuff. Like right. that's that's what we look at and think about a lot of times, even in our culture, which are that same thing that Paul's talking about exists in our culture. We don't think about the missionary who's in Serbia with nothing and eating right. local food and doesn't have any money and is risking it all to share the gospel. Right, or the pastor in India who, you know, on Sunday, this past Sunday, may have mm-hmm. literally been beaten to death because mm-hmm. he preached the faithful gospel. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we don't think about that. We think about, right. you know, the the false teachers like, you know, Joel Osteen or these other ones that are mm-hmm. out there that are just, you know, super wealthy and rich right. because of what they've done with their quote-unquote ministries, you right. know, where they've told people anything they wanted to hear, but it was attractive. The message was attractive, mm-hmm. right? It... Some some of the false teachers sound extremely educated, right? You know, like I've got one like Joseph Prince, right? That I used to listen to as yeah. as a baby in Christ. I was listening to this guy. And I'm like, Jakes. man, these guys, they're going deep into the Old Testament. They're talking about context and all this stuff, but completely twisting it, right? Right. I mean, and and the thing that's similar about the American, mm-hmm. let's just call it mainstream evangelicalism, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and the Corinthian mainstream church, right? That that you know the Corinthians were were bragging about mm-hmm. some of the stuff as we're going to find out in chapter five right. that these leaders were doing. That was deplorable. 
right? right? And I want to get ahead of myself, but let's just let's just say this that the Corinthian mindset and the American mindset was basically like this. We follow the most superior teacher. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we are the superior. superior. That's right. Right? It's exactly what they were doing. It's That's exactly right. what we do here. That's right. And, and it, we only will do that if we get our eyes off Christ. Yeah. Which is what Paul's saying. We are servants of Christ, right? right. You have been enriched in every way, he said in the first chapter, mm-hmm. in Christ. Right. Why are you following men? Mm-hmm. Stop. Stop it. Stop following men. He says in verse um, six of our chapter mm-hmm. today that I have applied all these things to myself and to Apollos for your benefit. Right. We're not full of ourselves. We're not puffed up. So why are you full of yourself for following mm-hmm. me? Why are you full right. of yourself or puffed up for following Apollos? And then he kind of uses a little bit of sarcasm here. He's like, you're you're already rich. Like, we would be following you. Like, right. We should they, be following you. You should be kings. Like, <laughs> you know, you have this status and all this stuff. Like, why why would you follow us, these under-servants? The scum of the, the, scum world, of the world, he said. Right? The refuse of all things. I mean, he's using extremely graphic language. The scum right. of the world literally means off scrappings or muck in the Greek, right? Right. right. It, it's, it's the refuse of all things literally means something cleaned off the bottom. <laughs> I mean, it's just right. the lowest possible attribute, right. uh, attribution or valuation that Paul is giving himself in Apollos. But I love in verse 10, there's such wisdom in what he says. He is because yeah. we are fools for Christ, for Christ's sake. Yeah. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are held in honor, but, or sorry, you are held in honor, but we in dispute. Right. He's like saying, we're so committed to the gospel of Christ that we're seen as fools. And you guys are following these other false teachings because you want what the world has to offer more than you want Christ. That's yeah. really what Paul's pointing out here. Like for you to go down that path of like trying to follow certain leaders and have certain, and still, and like you said, we're going to get to chapter five of all the worldly things they were still doing, pagan rituals and stuff. And it's like, you don't actually want Christ. Yeah. You know, they want the blessings of Christ. Right. Right. You wouldn't follow us and hold us higher if you truly wanted Christ. And if you were willing to give up your life to the point that you should be. Mm You would not be pursuing these things. No, because if they wanted Christ, then they wouldn't care about who's giving them the gospel. Right. They want the gospel. But what they are really doing is exactly mm-hmm. what their culture was doing. Right. Is no, 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 no. Look who I'm following. Right. Look who, look what, um, Look what look what he says. Look what he does. Look how you know great his life is. I want to be like him. Mm-hmm. Paul's like, uh, I don't think you understand. Like, uh, I'm I'm brutally whipped sometimes. Right. I, I've been shipwrecked at days. Like he goes on in Second Corinthians mm-hmm. to talk about all of his sufferings for the gospel's sake. And honestly, it's more cult cult behavior than it is true fallen of Christ. And that's like, exactly what their culture was steeped in. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the Greek philosophical Myers of the day were all about. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul in, was in Athens at one point, right? Mm-hmm. And he's standing before the, 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 let's just call him the intelligentsia, right? Because that would be like something that would be relevant today or equivalent to today. The high academic types, right? Yeah, yeah. He's standing before them and, and he's, Paul is proclaiming the gospel to mm-hmm. them. And they go, 
who is this guy talking about resurrection? You, did you know mm-hmm. that Greek culture did not value uh, a resurrected body at all? They wanted to be rid of the body, mm-hmm. right? Socrates, Plato, mm-hmm. uh, Aristotle, all these guys and all of their disciples, they didn't want to be in the body. The right. body was base and it was meant for base things as we're going to find out in, again, chapter five, yeah. some of the base things they that they valued. They argued for this Gnostic higher enlightenment. This, All kinds of stuff. Yeah. The body was seen as a drag. That's really <laughs> what it was. It was a drag. And it was, it was something that needed to be mastered, right? Yeah. And to the extent that I mastered it, I could do whatever I wanted in it. Right, which is another way just to say now I can be as perverted, perverted yes. as I want to be. As we'll see again in chapter five. Right. And so Paul is admonishing them yeah. as beloved children. He loves this church. Which makes sense because if your children are getting caught up in some sort of worldly idealism that's going to hurt them, you want to come strong with the truth. Yeah. You want them to see the error of their way because you want them to turn from it. Paul's whole heart with this letter is repentance, as we see in the second letter in yeah. chapter 7 is... To, to protect them, to one, to honor the true name of Christ, and then number two, to protect them from sin and death, Yeah, which is what was coming with it. So he, he admonishes them, as verse 14 says, as beloved children. And he says, I became your father in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. through the gospel. L- listen to me, okay? You guys have put us on a pedestal that is profaning the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. You have literally, you are literally guilty of deep sin, which he goes on to say, I mean, we can't, we can't take this isolated chapter as um, separate from the whole body of work that it sits in. I mean, some of the things Chatty's going to get into are sexual immorality that defiles the church. That's next. Okay. Then he talks about, he corrects it with the principles of marriage, right? And he talks about this is how you should carry yourself as a single person. Mm-hmm. This is how you should carry yourself as a married person. And he talks about why they need to do these things. Uh, later on, he, he talks about the warning against idolatry. Then he goes on to discuss spiritual gifts because chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul is really setting in order the priority of um, spiritual gifts in the church. He talks about why are you guys... Why are you guys, I'm putting this in my own words, of course. Why are you guys wanting these spiritual gifts like tongues and prophecy mm-hmm. and all these things? Really, you should be focused on love. You should be focused on um, understanding that, first of all, the Spirit gives these right. gifts as He wills for the edification of the body, for the right. service of the body. Not so you guys can, again, attribute this to your status and say, or tell people how superior right. you are. Yeah, Ooh, chapter, I have this gift. I have that gift. Well, in chapter 13, have? he even uses a little bit of hyperbole with, even if you have the tongues of angels or right. the prophecy, like if you, and you don't have love, it's pointless. It's all for nothing. Yeah. Right? Uh, verse 1 of chapter 14, pursue love and earnestly, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. But again, he puts love above all those things. And so coming back then and finishing up this, he says, in verse 18 of chapter four, some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come and I will find out not the talk, not the words of these <laughs> arrogant people, but their power. Yeah. 
For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Which one do y'all want? Because I'm going to come, Lord willing, and I'm going to set this straight. All right? So he comes as a father mm-hmm. that is offering the easy way. Or the hard way. Or the hard way. And Paul was not some big, strong man of stature, but he was a man who had power in Christ. Mm-hmm. He was one of the apostles that had, I mean, he had the power to throw demons out. He had the power to, you know, snake bites him. It doesn't hurt him. It, right. Um, people, he's able to raise someone from the dead. He's preaching the guy who's the one who raised from the dead. Dude, in Acts, they sa- <laughs> it says that people were so enamored with this that they were bringing their sick out on the street mm. in hopes that Paul's shadow would pass over them. And, and, some, and, and some were getting healed when that happened. And some were even getting healed through osmosis. I mean, this, so, so the, the kingdom of God Mm-hmm. Okay, is what Paul was representing. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that he was a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ during right. a very unique and foundational period mm-hmm. of God's redemptive history. Right. And so bringing it to a close here, he ends chapter four and really this first section mm-hmm. of the book of 1 Corinthians with the kingdom of God does not consist in what you guys value, mm-hmm. what what you are idolizing the kingdom of God consists in God's dunamis is the word dynamite miraculous power Mm -hmm. and how could it because we understand rightly this world the Lord has allowed Satan to have some rule and reign and the worldly thought and idealisms are really controlled by Satan Mm -hmm. so how could the kingdom of God look like the things that the world cares about Right? Right. It can't. Right. So kind of to give you all listeners a preview of next week and and what's to come in the rest of our podcast series on First Corinthians is he's going to, the Apostle Paul is going to begin to leave this issue of idolizing pastors and now move into some specifics. And he's going to talk about sexual immorality in the church. And so you definitely don't want to miss the next episodes that are coming up because like so many things in the Corinthian church, sexual immorality is rampant and always has been in the church. And there's a lot to say about why this is even an issue. (laughs) Why should you not fornicate, right? Why should you wait to have sex until you're married? Um, Why homosexuality is in fact a perversion of God's design. Why transsexuality is a perversion of God's design. He goes into this in the next chapter and so many other things. And so we are excited to be able to bring the biblical answers to modern day issues to you. Any last words before we sign off today, Chad? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, We thank y'all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.